Hello and welcome back to Podcasts from the Edge with me, Peter Bruce. We've had a few clear and sunny days down in the Western Cape and it's amazing how good weather improves the mood. That and an actual flowing Springbok second half in Argentina at the weekend. I guess the bad news about good weather is that it gets people back out on the streets again and as I speak, Cape Town is really battling with taxi and semi-political violence. Fortunately, despite some pretty severe provocation, the response so far from the authorities has been careful and measured. There have been injuries from rocks thrown at cars, but there has been no loss of life so far. All of this happens in the run-up to an event next week that may, just may, change the shape of South African politics a bit, or a lot. When Democratic Alliance leader John Steenhuisen told delegates to the party's elected conference in Midrand in April that he intended to form what he called a moonshot pact of like-minded opposition parties ahead of a general election in what will probably be May next year, he was met with no small degree of scepticism, including mine. Next week, though, parties sit down for the first summit of pact leaders, and if it goes well, the DA in Carter Freedom Front Plus, Action SA, the National Freedom Party, the United Independent Movement, and a new party called the Spectrum National Party, uh, will hold a national convention and try to map out a way to fight the election as individual parties, perhaps often engaged in tight battles with each other, and as a unit, basically telling voters that if they are elected, they will form a bloc in Parliament to oppose the ANC. In fact, the voter will need to be educated by these parties to understand that the very creation of the pact is an effort to knock the C, knock the ANC, out of power, or at least majority power, in the national legislature, by way of forcing the ANC vote below 50%, and preferably far enough below it to make it impossible for the ANC to form a national coalition. Two parties, the African Christian Democrats and former DA leader Musi Maimani's Build One South Africa, who so far declined to join the pact, will nonetheless attend the convention to be held on uh, August uh, 16 and 17 next week at Empress Palace in Kempton Park, Johannesburg. Other opposition groups may also attend. It's complicated stuff, this. Uh, most people agree that coalitions are probably what the future of SA politics looks like, but experience on the ground so far is unstable, fractious, and frankly duplicitous Local governments in smaller towns like Nisner and Canada and big metros like Johannesburg and Port Elizabeth have hobbled the governance of these places, leaving ratepayers stuck with services they paid for but don't get, and for creating huge oceans of resentment and mistrust. Dean Hazen was clear when he announced the Moonshot Pact that its design was to get and keep the ANC and the economic freedom fighters out of government. It also meant that Gaten McKenzie's Patriotic Alliance, already in coalition with the ANC in a number of places, didn't score in bad either. But, interestingly, the National Freedom Party, and a Carter breakaway from 2011, is still in some coalitions with the ANC and did get in battle. For me, the big name missing from the talks next week, even as an observer, is Songhezo Zibi and his Rise Mzalzi, also a new party, but with some serious intellectual heft behind it. Steenhazen did invite Zibi, but he thought the better of it. As I understand it, Zibi, who has written more than once very critically of the DA, was worried about losing his party's identity in a pact over which he would have little control, barely months after forming it. 
he was worried that he and the DA have very different understandings of the country's politics and how to penetrate the deep, deep layers of society, among African voters particularly, that the ANC basically owns, out, certainly outside of Brazil and Natal, no matter how badly it governs. I had some experience of this about a month ago when I attended the launch of an education program at a school deep inside the sprawling township of Dunsane outside East London. In a packed tent, a cold wind howling outside, I watched in awe as the school, the teachers and children, the parents, the community, the churches, the police, the security, the transport, all acted in unison, all rose as the main guy, the East Cape Education MEC, entered the tent. How attentive they were when he spoke, how his lieutenants took care to greet every layer of society in the room and to thank them whenever someone from a layer got up to speak. Needless to say, it took absolutely hours, but I came away with a firm conviction that it would take a miracle to win these people, solid citizens, all of them, off of the ANC. Levy thinks he can do it, or at least that he spotted the beast, and I think he rightly doubts that John Steen hasn't, or quite frankly, any white politician that I can think of, could be a plausible part of moving them to a new political place. But then Steen Hazen did something really smart, announcing that the writer and a former colleague of mine on the Financial Mail 20 years ago now, William Mervyn Gumede, would chair the convention. I think that's just an outstanding move. And I've no doubt that Gumede is a thoughtful, scholarly and wise counsellor, will lend the gathering much of the credibility that is once threatened not to have. I hope some guests of Zibi attend. I think Gumede is worth it. And John Steenhazen certainly deserves a round of applause for persuading him to do it. Gumede's chairmanship makes the whole thing worth taking much more seriously. And his job's clear. He must ensure that the summit ends with the parties agreeing to at least the outline of a pact going forward. It'll take more than just one meeting, but essentially he needs to put in place a plan of action that includes clear guidelines on how the parties will behave in the event that it has a real shot at taking power away from the ANC. Who, for instance, would the pact support as its head of state when, after the election, Parliament meets to vote in a new president? I don't mean to be rude, and I don't pick any fights, as I say, but it simply can't be John Steenhazen or any white politician. But that would be the DA playbook. It's so much larger than any of the other opposition parties in the convention, in the pact. And the DA has always argued until now that those, it's in numbers that should matter when electing leadership. But this time the DA may need to be able to support, if not propose, a leader who is not from its ranks. The Freedom Front Plus leader, Peter Kronobot, has openly said the country is not ready for it yet, it being way too early for a white leader. He's backing Inkata leader Velenkorsi Tlabisa uh, as the PAC candidate for the presidency. And I think he must surely be right, whether or not Tlabisa is the right person but generally right. The DA has shed quite a large number of black leaders since Maimani and Action SA leader Herman Mashaba left the party after its poor showing in the 2019 election. And while I would strenuously deny it, the DA has got a credibility problem with black and particularly African voters. It stands to reason. No matter how better, much better the DA runs the only province it controls, the Western Cape, or the metros and municipalities it runs, African South Africans, by far the majority, are simply not going to vote 
you know, white leader as their leader. So the DA needs to enable a change of government rather than lead it. It has to be the adult in the room, understanding the particular character, the peculiar character of our politics, and as a reward, hopefully, forming a major part of a new government if the election results allow That on its own is a big ask. Polls last year began to show the ANC falling well below 50% of the vote after slipping to 54% in 2019. People got excited. If the ANC could be held below 40% and the EFF were not able to make up the difference, real change seemed not only feasible but actually likely. Polls since then have been kinder to the ANC. Sure, it will struggle to hold on to Gauteng and probably KwaZulu-Natal, but if it falls below 50% nationally, it could be by a relatively manageable margin. To be sure the ANC is in a quandary all of its own, its relationship with the EFF in local government has been an absolute disaster, and senior people in the party want the coalitions in places like Johannesburg taken apart. There are also people in both the ANC and the DA who rather fancy the notion of an ANC-DA coalition post-2024. A sort of government of national unity at a time of economic and social crisis. Both the ANC and the DA have just come out in support of imposing minimum support levels for parties to break through in order to get any representation of any kind in any level of government. That will weigh on the minds of smaller parties at the convention. How can they be sure that whatever the election result, how can they be sure the pact will hold if the DA is pulled back political reality in another direction? William Gamed is going to have to sort all of this out. I can't think of a better person to have a go. It may well be that there's no easy answer, and it's worth bearing in mind that the venue, Empress Palace, is a casino. But as the countdown to the convention approaches, I think it has assumed a relevance it didn't have when it was simply in the hands of the politicians. And for that, for now, we can all be thankful. I think I'll stop there before I get myself into trouble. Podcasts from the Edge is available on the Financial Mail Online platform and on the Apple and Spotify podcast platforms as well. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you again next week. Stay safe.